Welcome back to Between Two White Coats, a podcast designed to help you be the healthiest version of yourself. I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, a family medicine doctor. And I'm her co-host, Amber Foster, a family nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We're discussing key issues surrounding health and wellness, answering some of our biggest questions, overcoming health obstacles, and giving patient-centered advice in hopes of educating you and providing the tools you need to live a healthy life. If you find our podcast helpful, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will help other people find our podcast. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to serving you. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about something that really matters to us so much because we see so much of it, diabetes and what is diabetes and why you should care. Uh, We really want to help you understand what are normal sugar levels and what are the cutoffs for when you um, would be considered hyperglycemic or pre-diabetic versus diabetic. When do you cross that line? Um, And then why should you care? What is it that diabetes does that creates bad outcomes um, or has a negative effect on your health? Um, So Amber, uh, define for us really what are the the sugar levels that would be normal and and when we're dancing into abnormal levels. So I always tell my patients, (laughs) this is probably not American um, Diabetes Association, but normally when I see blood sugars that are in the 90s, which are normal, those are normal blood sugars on a lab, like if you're going to just a generic lab core question, labs but I have seen in practice over the years that as patients are creeping into the uh, 90 level I start having conversations about hey what are you eating Um, because often those those blood sugars are fasting those are the ones that they come in Mm -hmm. they've not eaten Mm -hmm. all night and I'm starting to see like and you can look and there will be this trend of where they start trending upwards and so um, I typically say like if I start seeing your blood sugar in the higher 90s low 100s that's where I'm like okay you might be starting to cross over into prediabetes because my thought process is if you're fasting and it's 90 what is it two hours after you've eaten right and that those are kind of some of the things that we take into consideration and so um so normal sugar should be, be 80, 80 yeah. to 126 yeah um fasting and so we definitely look at sugars under two different arenas yeah when you haven't eaten at all in six eight hours or if you're two hours after a meal and we call that first one fasting when you haven't eaten at all or two hours after a meal or longer would be postprandial and so certainly we have different um uh, cutoffs for if you've just eaten and we'd like for you to be really about 70 80 to 126 if you are fasting Um, and we would like for you to be about 150 or below if you're postprandial. Um, and I, I like Amber's approach and I agree because if people are aware of what their sugars are, they can know what their normal is and they can start to see their trends up. It is normally about a five to 10 year ramp before people actually receive a a diagnosis of diabetes. And so they could have made some changes along that time to bring their sugar back down and not wander into the diabetic range. Um, Also in that five to 10 year ramp, um, not only were you starting to dance with it, but you often have diabetes for a long time before. When someone has diabetes and it's undiagnosed, what are the different symptoms that they're going to be experiencing? Um, often irritability. So sometimes people will be moody and yeah. they're not being nice humans and 
people that love them are like, what is wrong with you besides you're just having a bad day? Total mood alterations. Yeah. When your sugars are off, so, uh, your brain depends on sugar. So not only will you have altered mood, but you'll also have altered cognition. Foggy brain. Um, people saying like, oh, do I have attention deficit disorder? I can't focus. I can't remember anything because your brain's not getting the nutrients that, that it requires. Yeah. So yeah. excessive thirst. So they're drinking water all the time, but they never feel satiated from that. Um, I recently had a patient who um, did not know that he was diabetic, but I got his labs back and was like, oh my goodness, get back in here. Um, and I was like, have you had, he mentioned no symptoms to me. So then when I got this blood sugar, I'm like, why are you not having any symptoms? And I started listing and he was like, oh yeah, I'm real thirsty. And I'm going to the bathroom all the time at night, but I thought it's cause I'm in my forties and that's what you do in your forties. And I was like, no, that is not what you do yes. in your forties. You don't get up to go to the bathroom five times a night. So we call it the polys, yeah. polyuria, polyphagia, um, polydipsia, polydipsia is excessive thirst, polyphagia is excessive hunger. Um, polyuria is uh, excessive urination. And so what happens in your body, you aren't, with diabetes, you have enough sugar, there's lots of sugar in the blood, but we're not getting, it requires insulin to get the sugar out of the blood and into the cells. So when we aren't moving sugar into the cells, the cells feel like they're starving. And so your body is saying, you need to eat sugar. You need more sugar. So lots of times carb cravings, feeling hungry all the time. Yeah. And sometimes even though you may be eating more, your body's starting to break down. So some people will have an unintentional weight loss. And sometimes there are, you know, a lot of, of type two diabetics, we can break diabetes into type one, which is childhood onset or type two adult onset. Um, type two is more genetic dependent. So if you have this load in your family, you have to be more careful. You're more likely to get diabetes. Um, and if you are um, adult onset, these are often people who are overweight or obese. Doesn't have to be. And type one really doesn't have to do so much with weight. Um, but uh, when people are losing weight, they're kind of happy about it. Like, I'm not even trying, That's but right. I'm losing weight. It's great. But it's because your body's starting to eat itself <laughs> because it's not getting enough sugar. It's like not a good, not a good thing. It's not a good way to lose weight. Um, but those polys are a really big sign of someone who may have diabetes and not recognize yeah. it. A lot of fatigue. Um, when people sugar spike after they eat and they're not able to bring them back down, they get that postprandial sleepiness. Now we can all get tired after we eat a big lunch, but um, diabetics are taking naps a lot. They're tired all the time. Um, when we meet people who are new diagnosed diabetics and we start getting their sugar down, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how bad I yeah. felt. Globally bad feeling. Oh, like yes. you just aren't yourself. And, and you feel bad. Yeah. And so those are good reasons. If you're just not feeling yourself, it's a really good reason to make sure you get your, your sugar checked. Um, also, uh, frequent infections. So like if you're getting a lot of dental infections or just infections in general, things that are not healing well, like if you get a cut on your foot or on your arm. and it's Bacteria like, loves sugar. Yeah. And if you're harboring extra sugar, it is like a breeding ground. Yeah. It's a buffet. All you can eat buffet <laughs> for bacteria. Um, and yes. so you will get more infections yes. and it's harder to clear those infections. Yeah. Then. And then blurry vision. That's a really common yeah, one too. Yeah, that is a really common one. And I think lots of times when people have like, suddenly my vision is so blurry. I need um, readers. Yeah. They go to the ophthalmologist, they get new glasses, and then eventually they get their sugar figured out and they don't need their glasses yeah. anymore because their vision can correct um, if they're a new diagnosed diabetic and they get their sugar under control. Yeah. So uh, we uh, mentioning just kind of how you mentioned like, putting glucose back into the cells so to kind of like streamline that our pancreas is the thing so people think diabetes and they think pancreas because you'll hear that often in like insulin levels so kind of go through the patho on that like how it yeah. kind of works just to 
So, and this is part process. of that like five to 10 year bridge into yeah. diabetes is um, when you're eating carbohydrates, your pancreas says there's sugar. And in order to use this sugar for what we need it, for our brain to function, for our cells to have an energy source, insulin goes and it's like a lock and key mechanism. Yeah. There's a lock there and we need to open that lock to get the sugar inside the cell. Insulin is the key. And so when you eat something with sugar, then your pancreas is going to release insulin. The insulin is going to go to the cell, open the cell up, let the sugar out of the bloodstream and into the cell. So therefore our blood glucose level can drop and insulin will maintain a normal blood glucose level because it's letting the glucose do what it's supposed to do, work in every cell in your body as an energy source. And then opposite of that is the liver. So like sometimes if you need sugar in your system for some reason, your liver will do a process that gives you that as well. Yeah, so, so one of the first places that sugar goes when it gets into your body is to the, the liver. liver, and the liver will decide, are we going to distribute this sugar all over the body to be used? Are we going to store it? Um, or are we going to, um, we haven't eaten, there's not food on board, are we going to make new sugar? So the liver can do gluconeogenesis, so it's not just right after you eat that you need insulin. Um, your body is creating sugar when you don't have it so that you can have this necessary energy source, and then that's going to allow yeah. that sugar to be used um, with the insulin. So over time, if you're eating um, lots of sugar, especially low glycemic index, so you know, oh. there's so much yeah. diabe diabetes now that wasn't 40 years ago, but when we ate food that was crunchy and came from the earth, fruits, vegetables, mm -hmm. Um, it was harder to digest. So it took our sugar from 80 to 150 over a longer period of time. And then our pancreas could say, little by little, okay, make a little insulin, make a little insulin. But now when we drink a sugary drink and it's liquid and there's no digesting to do and it just spikes our sugar from 80 to 300 in seconds, our pancreas can't accommodate that. And so the pancreas is going in full surge, release all the insulin as fast as possible, and we get pancreatic fatigue. Our pancreas yeah. gets worn out and we can't accommodate all of those, those really um, refined carbs over and over and over. And, and so this is really the bridge to, di to diabetes because eventually the pancreas goes, I can't do it I'm just tired, I'm just yeah. so tired of you. <laughs> I can't make, I cannot make the insulin well, this is why to diet accommodate matters. that sugar. Diet matters so much, and that's one of the things we held in, um, with the diabetes is that you do have to watch what you eat um, because it does make such a difference in how your body processes. And in that bridge to diabetes is what we call insulin resistance, and I think people are getting very familiar with the term insulin resistance, but what does that really mean? So during this time, and fat cells, when you have an increased number of fat cells or you've gained weight, it creates more insulin resistance. So this is where um, the insulin is made. You're not a diabetic who can't make enough insulin anymore and the insulin goes to the cell and the cell doesn't respond. Yeah. And so that's when we're saying that these cells are insulin resistant and so you have to create more insulin to get the cell to respond. And that insulin resistance then creates pancreatic fatigue over time because the pancreas has to work harder. Yeah. And so all of this ends up with the same end result of people who are maintaining high sugars because we can no longer have enough insulin to get the sugar out of the bloodstream. So a sugar that is over 126 fasting is considered diabetes. Yeah. And like Amber was saying earlier, we can see the trend up to that and say, you're over 100 fasting. You might be pre-diabetic. This might be something we need yeah. to watch. You're in the 90s fasting. I used to always see you in the 70s or 80s. I'm seeing 
that you're kind of starting to get on that bridge to diabetes yeah. and let's do something about it. And that's the most important time for us to recognize this because we haven't worn the pancreas out yet. Yeah. It's a great time to say, hey, we can treat the insulin resistance. So some people will get some medications like metformin for insulin resistance. And we say if the cells will respond to insulin better, and if we give you metformin, they may respond to insulin better then you don't need to churn out the insulin. Yeah. We're not going to wear out your pancreas. You're not going to become diabetic. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have different um, approaches to how they prescribe in metformin. Some people will be like, not until you're confirmed diabetic. And other people will say, you're on the road, and I'd rather get you off the road so that you don't become a diabetic. Yeah. So different prescribers, different medical providers will be a little more aggressive with how they do that, but we would much rather take the approach of we'd rather you not become diabetic, so what can we do in the meantime? Yeah. And we want you to care because the end result of diabetes is awful things. Like yeah. Shelly has mentioned, it affects small vessels in your eyes, so you can get diabetic retinopathy and you blindness is a side effect of having diabetes untreated. And so like when we talk about hypertension, we talk about um, too much pressure in these vessels causing vessel damage. But when you have too much sugar in your bloodstream for a long time, that sugar builds up in the blood vessels and um, it starts to make a kind of, you know, picture a really tiny blood vessel in your kidney or your eye that now has a lining of sugar in the inside of it. And it's, it's going to start yeah. to be constricted and you're going to have the same issues as you do with hypertension where those small blood vessels are going to have damage first. So diabetic eye disease, diabetic retinopathy, um, diabetic kidney disease uh, are the first areas yeah. that these small vessels can Neuropathy. be compromised. Um, but I think one of the things that people forget about, if someone asks me what is likely going to be the cause of death of your diabetic patient, the cause of death, for and, and for me, most of the time, I'm going to be concerned about a heart attack. Yeah. Um, the number one cause of death in our country is heart attacks. And a lot of the things that happen in, in diabetics, obesity, being overweight, also increases your risk of a heart attack. Being diabetic is the same risk of having a heart attack as someone who has had a heart attack before. Yeah. That is huge. That is huge. You know, we typically think, oh, you've had a heart attack. You're a person who we think is really high risk of having another. Same exact risk for a diabetic. Well, and often you'll see someone who is like, or, or how often I should say, do you see a diabetic that is not hypertensive? You normally see them hand in hand. So yeah. then you're taking these vessels and making them in a much more complicated system for your body to work right. And so another thing that if it's on board and it frequently is, increases your risk of heart disease. Mm -hmm. Um, so we are really always concerned about the cardiovascular health of our diabetics yeah. and making sure that we're preventing heart attacks. Keeping your sugar down is going to help prevent these things. So by nature of calling someone a diabetic, tagging them with that diagnosis, um, does not necessarily increase their risk of all these things. It is keeping extra sugar on board that creates all of these risks. So if you're a diabetic who is controlled, you are not going to end up with kidney issues. You are not going to end up with retinopathy because your sugar is the same as a normal person. Um, we monitor people's sugar with a lab test called a hemoglobin A1C. Yeah. Um, the hemoglobin A1C looks at the sugar that is on a, um, a red blood vessel, a red blood cell, sorry, a red blood cell. And so it gives us the 90-day sugar. So we can look at your hemoglobin A1C and we can see what your sugar average has been yeah. for 90 days. My favorite thing is my patient's like, well, I'm not fasting. I'm like, oh, I don't care because they know they're going to get in trouble. So they're like, yeah. oh, I'll come back for that. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to know because I'll have it 90 I'm days. I'm looking at the last three months, not this moment. Yeah. It doesn't matter. 
Um, and so the uh, normal range of an A1C is uh, up till 5.5. So yep. anything that is 5.5 or below tells us that you are averaging over the last three months normal sugars. You are co crossing the bridge at 5.6 to 6.4. Um, and when you are 6.5 and above is when it becomes a diagnosis yeah. of diabetes. And so the A1C is frequently something that we're going to look at to get an idea of the last three months of your sugars and are you pre-diabetic or insulin resistant, those kind of things that are in that 5.6 to 6.4 range, or are you 6.5 and, yeah. and above, and then we consider it diabetes. And this is often checked during your annual preventative visit. So you may not even realize that you have been having your blood sugar checked annually. Um, and A1C is not something that is typically done unless you are diabetic or you have a history of an elevated glucose. But your your fasting blood sugar is checked during your annual. So that's another reason that's important to get those preventative annuals yearly. Yeah. And so if that, that you fasting see, sugar is high, we'll bring you back and do an yeah. A1C, which will give us an idea of, okay, maybe you ate sugar that morning. You told us you were fasting, but maybe you had had some sugar in your coffee um, and your A1C is okay. Or we realize, oh, your sugar's actually been running high for a while. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different things with diabetes that it's a complicated disease. Um, it is a common disease now. Uh, and the outcomes of uh, uncontrolled diabetes um, are really bad. There's mm -hmm. so many complications. And so uh, when people get their sugars controlled, they feel remarkably better. All of the stuff where you're like, I just globally feel bad goes away. Mm -hmm. um, and we decrease all those other risks by keeping your sugars controlled. So we would really encourage anyone um, who has a family history of diabetes, who's overweight, um, any of these things that increase your risk factors to make sure that you're mm -hmm. getting sugars checked once a year in your annual wellness. Um, if you have been borderline uh, diabetes, ever been told that, make sure that your provider is watching it closely. Um, and if you are diabetic, um, don't. I, I know it's hard, and I and it's difficult to make it's these, chronic. Yeah. Chronic diseases are hard, and it's difficult to make these diet changes. But if you are diabetic, watch your carbohydrates. Um, it, make sure you're exercising, which burns off the extra sugar. There's a lot of good lifestyle things you can do to really help control your yeah. sugars and make sure that you're working hard with your provider to be on the right yeah. prescriptions. And again, just like we've said with other chronic diseases, just because you go on diabetic medicines doesn't mean you have to be on them forever. Yeah, and keep your appointments. I think that's another thing too, is that especially with chronic diseases, it does get frustrating to, oh, I'm going to see them again every three months. Well, it matters because we're checking that A1C every three months. And so we want to help you um, come off the medicines. We want to help you make those lifestyle changes. And so I really encourage my diabetic patients. I'm like, when you leave today, make your follow-up appointment. Like keep those appointments. It really does matter for long-term health. And we can help you with things like yeah. weight loss and other things that are going to help control your sugar so yeah. definitely visiting with your provider is going to give you the support you need to be successful yeah. in managing this yeah. so uh, diabetes is common it is something that can have really serious adverse outcomes so I hope that you're understanding a little bit more about what diabetes is how it happens and most importantly why you should care we like to end you on a good note so today's tell me something good is brought to you by our good friend Maddie Exercise is something good. I have been exercising for three months and I've started to feel really amazing and have become so proud of myself for pushing every day. If I can do it, I know you can. Thank you, Maddie. We're proud of you too. Thank you all for joining us. And until next time, take care of yourself.